So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 6, Episode 15 of Happily Ever After. In this last episode before the tell-all, the shit truly hits the fan with family Libby, Angela finally considers the consequences of using Skyla's egg, Natalie leaves, but Juliana tries to make mice with Nike, Yara and Jovi have the same argument, but in a new location, Tiffany and Ronald seem fed up with each other, and Asuelu has an idea of where to move now that Lisa and Lo are kicking them out. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dunces, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe. And if you also watch Love After Lockup, please listen to our other podcast, Love After Lockup UK. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are things with you? Things are pretty good with me. Not as good as they are with you, though. Yes, I am by a beach, and it is good times. Night, always good times, always good times. Oh, man, we got a lot of groups. Finally, we just found out now this is the last episode before the tell-all. Oh, my gosh. I think it's so ridiculous that we never know what's going to happen before, and then it just kind of happens. But um, I was just telling you offline that I'm kind of excited about this tell-all, like what they previewed. It's like, oh, I think it might actually be good. Yeah, looks like everybody's got some hitters. Yeah. Right. And not in a way that necessarily is like, I feel like, oh, new information is going to be revealed because I don't think new information is going to be revealed. True. But I think, you know, it'll be entertaining enough at least. Well, I mean, we know we got Angela flashing her boobs for no reason, so – That'll yeah. Be <laughs> right. So let's start off with them. So we have Angela and Skyla. They go to see Dr. Gator at an IVF clinic. We find out that Michael's sperm is viable. So Angela is still plotting to get Skyla's egg, and she's very insistent on not giving an egg. Skyla is. Dr. Gator asks if Skyla is the egg donor, and Skyla says no. She's just there to support Angela, but also tell her that this is a harebrained scheme. Dr. Gator explains the process, including the risks to Angela for carrying the baby. Dr. Gator thinks that their situation kind of sounds crazy. Dr. Gator talks about the risks also to Skylar in preparing for egg donation. Angela then is weirded out by the fact that she would be the mama and the mima of this baby, and Skylar would be the half-sibling and the mom. Skyla and Dr. Gator kind of tag team on convincing Angela that this is just not a good idea. Angela is concerned that it will affect her relationship with Michael. She's not willing to risk the money, Skyla's health, and her health. But Angela is scared to tell Michael, but doesn't also want to keep any secrets from him. All right, so... I mean, if you're Michael, you have to have had some kind of inkling that maybe this was a harebrained scheme and it wasn't going to work out. But how mm-hmm. do you think Michael will actually react to the news that babies are not a possibility with Angela in the way that Angela wants them? Because also let's remember that Angela is the one who's insistent that they are from her bloodline. The bloodline. 
keeping it pure. <laughs> but Michael just cares about having babies. He doesn't care with who, who's the mom, whatever. But he cares, but it needs to be his baby. Like, I think yes. if she said, let's yes. adopt, he'd have been like, no, that's not acceptable. So he cares about sure. the bloodline too. He just doesn't right. care about her bloodline. <laughs> sure, sure. And so, like, not well. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things he'll – I think she could be 90 years old and like on her deathbed and, and go on and he's like, I'm still thinking this baby thing might happen. Like I think he's just content to like <laughs> lie to himself that it might be a possibility in the future pretty much indefinitely. Right. Um, and so I think that's kind of where it's going. Maybe he's, he, I mean, he's the one who still thinks Skyla is going to give an egg and is like, we will convince her. And I, I just don't know how much of it is him putting on a show for us or him putting on a show for his own self. Um, but I mean the part of it is is like the harebrained part of his scheme wasn't the part that seemed – well, put it this way actually. It's kind of nuts that the idea of freezing his sperm and sending it overseas was yeah. the most plausible part of this plan. <laughs> well, the most straightforward part, right? Um, yeah, trying to get someone – to convince someone who is a hard no in the egg department. Like yeah. saying, oh, yeah, we have to get her from a no to a sure – uh, as the egg donor, that's a big hurdle. Another uh -huh. big hurdle is Angela being the one to be the surrogate for tote. this. Got to tote it. Yeah. So, you know, like those are two major things that have nothing to do with Michael and everything to do with Angela and her family. So. Right. And we didn't even talk. <sighs> we didn't even hear about how much it was going to cost. I know it's price. I knew it was I knew it was pricey. And I'm sure Michael knew it was pricey, but I don't think he had any idea of the scale of this, the cost that they're talking about here. Well, um, I think it also depends. So I have a friend who actually is in the process of IVF and it doesn't have to be a hundred thousand, but it could be a hundred thousand. And that money is really dependent on how many times um, they have to harvest eggs. And how oh, many sure, times sure, sure. they have, you know, and the number of times of harvesting eggs has to do with how many successful embryos they get. So, um, you know, if they only get like one embryo, then, you know, they're going to have to keep on trying because my friend said that um, in her situation, she needs to get four viable embryos for implantation. And uh, so it's like, and she's been through one round already. And it's – they got one egg out of it. And I think she told me that uh, one round of IVF was like something like 23,000. So sure. 23 times four, there goes your 100,000. So, I mean, if they were really lucky and got it all in like one shot, it doesn't have to be 100,000, but it could be 100,000. So Sure. But I, I think the doctor was like kind of – Dr. Gator, God bless her. <laughs> She's trying to deter. <laughs> I know, right? Like the long suffering Dr. Gator. Um, Dr. Gator here's like, but it's like, like, I think she was like, listen, you're an advanced paternal age. We're going to need a whole lot more than four. Right. Right. Because right. we're going to need more to implant. Sure. Yeah. They're not all like, going to so take. She's already, so she's already like uh, on like because of her age, because – and then because of the fact that they have to harvest the eggs from somebody else. Right. And all that goes into that like things. And I had no idea – not no idea. I didn't know it was as – Risky for Skyla to be the donor as it is. Sure. Yeah. Like that's something Angela didn't know, which I, I can credit her for not knowing, but I can't really credit her for not knowing like, wait a second, 
then I would be this baby's grandma and okay, yeah, mom. That's it's like, yeah, dumb. literally everybody thought of that like two right. seconds in. Like, <laughs> I mean, Skyla thought it. I mean, maybe she didn't verbalize it specifically that way before, but she was kind of like, that's weird. So you're going to raise this child, but it's my child, you know? Yeah, because so she like, kept saying, I'm going to be that baby's mama. And, and Andrew was like, no, you're not. And she's like, yeah, I, I, I am. It's going to be my egg. Like, yeah. that's. She just had to hear from Dr. Gator that, yes, biologically, she is the mom. Angela's like, what? Well, biologically, <laughs> biologically, Angela is only the grandma, right? right. Not the mom at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, just the fact that she didn't think of like the basic things that like everybody else thought of like immediately. Like that's weird. And she was just going with it like for years. This happened years ago. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, yeah, now it's a creep show. It's like, mm, no, I think it was always a creep show. You're just realizing it now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely. I think everybody has known Angela has been a creep show for <laughs> quite a while. Right. Quite a while. All right. So let's move on and let's just, you know what, let's just do it and let's hit the big one. Oh, gosh. That's Libby and Andre. Like that's the, that was everything. So, whoo. It is now the adults-only barbecue day, and really no one is anticipating this thing going very well, except for Chuck, who thinks it's going to be a relaxed environment. If everybody can just hang out and hug it out, and it'll be all good. Andre and Libby get there first, and so far, it's pretty much all rainbows between Chuck and Andre. Next up, Becky and Thomas get there, and they kind of awkwardly stand around and don't sit, and it's just weird at first. But they do settle into throwing some shade at each other when Jen shows up, already have poured herself a drink. So then then Jen, Jen and Becky kind of come up and accuse Chuck of going radio silent after the birthday party. And things seem to be kind of getting a little a little tense until Charlie shows up and then oh, just blows the whole thing out of the water. He starts talking trash immediately. Like his first words to everybody is, call the cops. I'm here. <laughs> And within five seconds, him and Andre are, are wrestling on the floor. So anyway, the dumb fight happens and Chuck and the producers have to step in and break them up. And Charlie throws some weak punches and whatever. Andre says he was pissed off because Charlie just came there to start some shit. Not a lie. Then there's a whole – then there's just a whole mess of yelling everybody. But, you know, it takes a lot of time in the show but we can't really tell what's going on because yeah. of all the crosstalk and the bleeping. But it seems that Charlie's wife Megan was a – Especially mad. She even got into it and scratched Libby's face. Um, after punching she, Andre in the head a couple times. After punching said. Andre in the head. Uh-huh. And then she was also yelling at Becky and then also Chuck. I don't know. To me, she seemed pretty drunk. Yeah. So then we have this whole thing where everybody is holding Andre back as he's screaming at Charlie until, you know, Chuck finally gets to, gets to Andre and says, if you fight Charlie, you're out of the business. So then we have Chuck doing that ugly face loud crying that we mm -hmm. saw in the previews all year about his family being destroyed and back in the house andre's shirt who's apparently got ripped open he can't button it back up <laughs> <laughs> he spends like the rest of the show trying to put his shirt back together it just doesn't work anyway so, so even becky and tom thomas are out here saying that charlie was the one who started the fight and then they go back to charlie who's yelling about cancel culture it's like, yeah. y'all want to cancel Charlie. So anyway, there's another outburst when Charlie comes into the room where Andre is and they finally have to like wrestle Andre out of the house. And outside, Libby tries to calm Andre down to get him to think and breathe. 
Then Thomas and Becky come out and they just rant and rave about Charlie being a toxic psycho that needs help. Oh, God. They pretty much say they're done with this, this, this family and the business and they won't be around anymore if Charlie's there. So Libby comes back in to the house to yell at Charlie, who's showing absolutely no remorse. So Megan and Charlie just – they're just yelling at Chuck about how do you let this guy come into the house I, just because he, I don't know, exists. So anyway, then there's more talk about being canceled. So um, Chuck had thought he had done everything right and it's still upset that things turned out almost exactly how everybody in the world knew it would. Uh. So after Charlie leaves, Andre and Libby come back. and But and again, nothing gets resolved and there's a lot of bleeps and then they all leave. But – you know, Libby even says she's willing to be, you know, move somewhere else and start fresh. But Andre doesn't want to back down because he's now this close to having this business alone with Chuck. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, I mean, I guess if we're doing rank order, like, who was the worst in this whole thing? Uh, Chuck? <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Because idiot, why do you think this is going to be different? We've been saying this from day one. Like, you think this is going to be any different from the RV, from the boat? You know, like, it's not because nothing is different. You know, like, he keeps on saying, well, I just thought, like, we'd be able to all hang out and remember the good times. It's like, but why? What's different between this situation and the boat situation? There's absolutely nothing different between those two situations. So I, I don't understand, like, why he thinks that they can just magically. It's like literally he's, like, just hoping for a miracle that they will just all come together and be like, oh, we do love each other. And then that's, right. like, the end of it. It's like, what kind of weirdo world are you living in? That's just not – have you not seen the way these people fight? Uh-huh. And it's just like you have to – yeah, you've seen it. But it, but the thing was, he's like, but I've also seen us hang out and have fun before. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, but things have changed yes. and you have to actually change them back to that. You can't just right. do that. It's like it just seems like what he wants. Then. Yeah, what he just wants is like, listen, can everybody just put on a stupid face and pretend your problems aren't problems so we can uh, make me happy? Like yeah. that seems like what his goal is, right? <sighs> right, dumb. Um, I would say probably after Chuck, I would say Andre. It's like if Andre didn't run his mouth so much, I feel like it wouldn't escalate the same way. And I'm not saying that there wouldn't be any conflict, but uh-huh. I feel like the escalation piece of it wouldn't be as much. Because, yeah, Charlie came in. He was obnoxious. But how is saying, like, call the cops, I'm here, directed at any particular person? If anything, mm-hmm. it's just like him being an obnoxious asshole and just being like, yeah, party's here, you know, but in a really ridiculous way. So, right. I mean, how does that warrant Andre, you know, immediately verbally attacking him, which then escalated into like literally 10 seconds of him getting in there? They're on the floor. Like, it was so ridiculous how fast that escalated and yeah. it was Andre, you know? Yeah. So I, I mean, so Andre I next. guess it was the, the part where I think the part where Chuck was like, yeah, they call the cops or whatever, but you're right. There's so much of a lot of their conflict could be avoided. If Andre just went, whatever, shut the hell up. Charlie. Yes. But like, he doesn't, he does not know how <laughs> to shut up. He just like, can't let anything go. He can't take a joke. 
He's like mm-hmm. the worst for that. And so it's just like, yeah, Andre, I think, is not helping the situation. Uh, but then after that is probably tr- Megan, I'd say. Megan. And then See, Charlie. I, thought I, I would have put Megan above Charlie in terms of badness because yes, I she so is too. also an in-law. Right. Who's coming in there and be like, how can you let this in-law come in and take all of our stuff? And it's like, who are you? <laughs> our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say Andre, then Megan, then Charlie. So, and then I was confused. Uh, what? Where did Becky and Jen stand on this whole thing? Because it kind of at one point seemed like they were defending Andre but I wasn't sure if it was really because they were defending Andre or they were just against Charlie. So it seems to me is this is where I think we got the first kind of real actual action on this mm. is I think Jen and Becky also really hate Charlie. Yeah. I, I, I think they very much do. Um, and um, this really came out. It seemed like Thomas specifically – when, when Becky was out there stomping her foot and they were out in the thing, they, was, they were saying he's a tox- He's so toxic. I'm staying yeah. away from that. They were talking about Charlie. Yes, they were, they were. not talking about Andre. Sure. Right? And they were like, he, he, he's terrible. He needs help. And she's stomping her foot. Whose fault was this? Like, it, I, it scanned to me, they were 100% talking about Charlie. Right. And then they kind of either remembered what the storyline is supposed to be or just kind <laughs> of remembered that they're two and they were supposed to be like, oh, yeah, and Andre too. Like they literally asked them who's at fault and they're like, Charlie. Oh, yeah. Also, Andre. <laughs> right. <laughs> By right. The way. So I don't know if it was because that or if because they were just like they also. But I, I I mean, giving them the benefit of the doubt, giving them a little grace. It's kind of like I think they were like, oh, Charlie was terrible. Shut up, Andre. You weren't great. You right. were bad, too. Yeah. But Charlie was just so over the top bad that we're mad, more mad about that right now. Yeah. And I think really also is it doesn't help. Charlie's situation that it's like Charlie and Megan, right? Because he's kind mm-hmm. of taking responsibility for, you know, what his wife is doing. And they were not happy about the fact that, I mean, as much as they're fighting with Libby, they're not happy the fact that Megan was like throwing punches and like basically grabbed at Libby's face and like scratched her. Yes. Yeah, once yeah, once Megan that they, they didn't care that that she that Megan was beating the back of, of no, Andre's head. Right. But once she touched once she touched Libby, All of that was like, it was oh, like, no. yeah, no, 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 you that's the line you crossed. Sure, right, but so. yeah, just just the and I'm not even sure what they were. What I did notice though is um, that as Charlie seemed very preoccupied with who won the fight. It's like, yeah. yeah, he got me down there for a second, but I really got some good licks in. I'm going to be – that's what you're focused on right now, Charlie? Oh, my that's gosh. It. Well, I mean he needs to keep score because clearly this keeps on happening, right? Yeah. So it's well, like I whoever mean, wins gets to talk the most shit later. Yeah. I definitely feel like he's definitely that kind of dude who is just like, whatever, I could kick his ass. I mean <laughs> like now that it's happened, he'd be like, I could still kick his ass. Like, yeah. Speaking of, I love how they just randomly, but maybe not so randomly, because I feel like everybody knew how this was going to play out. They had the no, biggest they had bouncer. A big, <laughs> a big producer there. Yeah. I kind of considered him more of a bouncer type. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm putting he was on the production team. Let's put it that yes. way. <laughs> Because everybody knew how this was going to turn out. And that to me is what makes Chuck an idiot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Chuck is clearly the biggest idiot, and the the idea that he was going to go there and just get his sunshine and rainbows through like sheer force of, 
not even will because they didn't even try that hard to get it in, right? Because that's the part to me because everybody was yelling at – like I just can't – he doesn't yell at his kids at all even when they're no. being totally like crazy people. Like I mentioned this before. Like it was like at one point I'd said Earl in an earlier episode, he never says, shut up, Becky. Like right. and he never says, Charlie, you're drunk. Shut up. Yeah. I don't want to hear it anymore. He doesn't say yeah. – he says one time, one time he says it to Charlie because Charlie said something about like he's so far up your ass. And he was like, I don't want to hear that again. Yeah. I just – Charlie, Charlie, shut up. You're drunk. Like I don't – because he yeah. was. That's the biggest issue is Charlie clearly has a substance abuse problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's dumb that Chuck does try to handle it, but this is how he tries to handle it. I'm going to – you're going to give me a heart attack. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that's not how to deal with this. <laughs> Threatening a heart attack. <laughs> Threatening a heart attack on everybody. Yeah, just – he just – he's not – he he's not strong enough to take command of a situation ever, right? He doesn't right. have that. He doesn't have that teacher voice or that you know teacher thing that I you know I have. And people the stare. Are always, <laughs> the, the, the stare. I can take people down with look that voice, or I just I I can I can yell in a certain way that kind of everybody's attention just whoop, oh we're we're done we're looking at this now. And you know <laughs> it, some people have that command and some people just don't. And Chuck does not. No, and then he tries to you know give out this ultimatum. Like, Andre, you're out of the business if you continue fighting, right? Which worked for all of, like, two seconds. And then later you see Andre going at it again. And, I mean, and even Andre recognized he's like, well, I can't fight with him because, you know, then the business stuff is going to be done and I'm not willing to risk that. And then two seconds later you see him, like, the bouncer holding him back from, like, attacking Charlie. And so, yeah, the biggest thing is, is, like, he he needs to recognize – I'm not saying everybody, but he had this flood of emotion, right, that he was just Mm -hmm. unable to say – he was saying nonsense, right? If you tried to, like, actually listen to what he was putting together when he was screaming, it was just like, this – he prick and got me on the ticket. It it, it was not – it was not any sensical thoughts. And that just is, like – complete flood brain flooding where he wasn't thinking straight which means he needs to at least recognize that and leave like go somewhere where charlie's not going to sneak up on him because he knows seeing the dude is going to trigger him again right so he needs to be a little bit better with that at least yeah yeah definitely all right so thinking uh speaking of big explosions let's talk tiffany and ronald So Ronald claims he exploded on Tiffany, you know, right after counseling because she is constantly attacking him. He thinks it's a two-way street and Tiffany is not the queen. Tiffany thinks that Ronald can't accept when women stick up for themselves. She is talking to the camera, trying to make light of the situation by laughing it off when Ronald walks in and gets mad that she seems to be having a grand old time and demands to know if she's going with him or staying. And she says she's staying. Ronald thinks she's laughing and making jokes at his expense, so he's told her to F off as he drives away. Tiffany gets in a production van, and she's talking to production and basically says that Ronald is stupid because he reacts with anger without processing his feelings. But then she also admits that it makes her stupid for marrying him. Tiffany walks into Ronald's house, and he demands to know why she's there and uh, tells her she needs to leave. They argue, and Tiffany says she's staying and continues to kind of poke the bear by calling him a loser. Ronald says he's doing this for the kids and wonders if it's worth it. And now he's seeing that he's actually harboring a lot of resentment towards Tiffany, and he's going to fight. He says that if Tiffany goes back, she's going back alone because Ronald is keeping the kids plural. 
He knows that it's wrong to keep the kids from their mother, but he's been away from them for so long that it's his turn now to have them. The next morning, Tiffany is debating on whether she should leave. Tiffany is hoping that she'll get a sincere apology from Ronald, but instead they just stand awkwardly in the kitchen before they start fighting about what happened the night before, and Ronald is just tired of it. After fighting more, Ronald tells her to just leave and to F her words. Both of them feel like the marriage is over. All right, we'll get into the kids thing in a second, but Hmm. overall, since this is the season finale, would you say you are Team Ronald or Team Tiffany? I mean, Team Tiffany, just because the kids thing is several levels above anything she's done. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that just like absent even everything else, even if he was perfect in every other way, which he most certainly is not. Right. Like that part about like what he said about doing with the kids is like, nope, that's eh, automatic fail. That's a headshot. You're done. Which also, it's like, what the hell? Like, Daniel is not your son. You have zero yeah. <laughs> legal rights to him, I'm pretty sure. Like, just because you're married does not make it an automatic Absolutely adoption. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It does not. not. So it's um, like, you're going to basically kidnap this kid? Like, she's not leaving without Daniel. And maybe you have some rights to Carly. But even then, like, what are you doing? Yeah. So that, I mean, that, that puts it over. And that's one thing I was wondering from the tell all you're like, in terms of new information, like that's the new information I want to have. Cause I would oh, sure. very much assume that she's not in South Africa anymore. Right. So where, what happened, what happened immediately after that, when she went to the mom's house to get the kids, what was the plan there? It's just all gross. So let's set aside that. So let's talk about the time before he said, I'm going to keep the kids because it's my turn. Yeah. Um, if I'm backing up then I think it's pretty even. Like they're both mm-hmm. really, really bad. Like mm-hmm. really, really bad. And it's like – and it seems like Tiffany doesn't seem like we notice all the terrible shit that she says and yeah. all the terrible shit that she does um, and expects us to just see his emotional reaction, um, mm-hmm. which is an inappropriate reaction most of the time. But yeah. like it's a reaction to truly, truly terrible things that she says to him. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Oh, goodness. I just uh, – she is very frustrating to me because, you know, she thinks that because she's right, that she has a right to talk to him that way. Yes. And, you know, it's – but he also is kind of the other extreme too. He doesn't also, like, talk to her very respectfully either, you mm-hmm. know, and just mm-hmm. kind of assumes that – I don't know. He does. I think he is a little sensitive, but it's probably because of the history. But it's like he thinks everything is an attack. Yeah. But I mean, it just seems to me what he wanted and what she wanted were fundamentally different things, especially the day before, the morning before. Right. Sure. He wanted her to come in there. He wanted, wow, we both said some pretty hurtful things. How do we move on? Right. And like if he would have said that, she would have been like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say anything bad. It was all you. Yes, that's true. Uh-huh. And she was expecting an apology. She was expecting yeah. a full 100%. And that's what frustrated him. Anytime we have a disagreement, what your expectation is after that is I come and 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 am humbly apologizing on my hands and knees to you and mm-hmm. you just say, well, let's try better. Like you don't say anything back. You don't admit you did anything wrong. Right. right? And that's what he meant when he said we, we kept calling her the queen. Yeah. Like that's what she wants. Because she was doing more than standing up for herself. Yes, like, definitely. By a long shot. 
right? Especially the part when she was like, she said something like, you know, oh, this, do you think I'm happy I married you? No. It's like, what is that? Yeah. That's a, that's, that's that's, mean. That's just mean. Mm -hmm. Like, so, and so much of his stuff is like that, but then she's, but she says it calmly and she says it without raising her voice, except for that time when she was yelling at him for yelling and was screaming at him. How about like, you know, when you scream at me, it's really disrespectful. (laughs) Right. Oh, goodness. So let's talk a little bit about um, the tell all, the preview where Ronald is accusing Tiffany of basically cheating on him with the cameraman. So I don't know if you caught that. I did catch that. Well, because. And then that's the whole thing, too, is that goes back to, I, I guess he's going to saying this. I'm curious as if he's going to say that's a repeated thing or if it just was this one night when he drove away and she had to catch a ride back to the house with production. Yes. Right? So I don't know exactly what happens, but Tiffany has come out and she has basically tried to set the story straight saying, you know, yeah, we have a rapport because it's the same cameraman that filmed with me back in the U.S., and so because they had that friendship, that's also why Ronald was jealous because, you know, the cameraman got to uh, go follow Tiffany to South Africa. And mm-hmm. she was saying there was literally nothing going on. Um, Ronald just thought that because of the scene where, uh, you know, he walked in and she was laughing. He thought that she was just like yucking it up with the cameraman and, um, you know, was jealous. And we, I think it hasn't been much of a focus, but I remember in the past Tiffany saying that Ronald was jealous, but I feel like mm-hmm. that really hasn't played out because there was no one to be jealous of. Sure, in the past. sure. Yeah, I mean that that does seem that, that to it does seem to go along with the story because mm-hmm. it was it was she, he seemed really really upset that she was laughing. And we could see when we when we saw the scene that it was one of those I'm laughing so I don't cry type right. of laughs. Yeah. Um and not like an actual like mirthful laugh. Right. Um, but I don't know. Cause I also was like I, I was really resentful of her um like her little speech in the car when she was talking about, you know, oh people who react emotionally and don't know why they're reacting like that. They're sure. just stupid. And it's yeah. like but they're not like there's a lot of really smart people that do that. <laughs> like, yeah, and are, are just I mean, it's a different type of intelligence. Yes, emotional but intelligence. It's sure. more of an, an emotional intelligence. But mm-hmm. that's actually a it, being aware of your own emotions is actually considered like pretty emotionally intelligent. And mm-hmm. and, and, I, and the thing is, is I don't know if it she is. I think right. she reacts kind of ways and does the same thing. And for her to but, – but she has her, her story convinced where she just knows everything that's going on. Everybody else doesn't. And so whatever I think, that's, what's, that's what it is. And she's not even – well, if you asked her, she would say I'm not even having an emotional response. This <laughs> right. is all just logical, right? <laughs> she does very much come off as like a know-it-all. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm sure is even more frustrating to Ronald. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he definitely feels like – yeah, like she feels above him. In all the ways, and she pretty much does. Like she's yeah. even no indication that she doesn't think she's better than him in any aspect of life. Right. All right. So going back to being better than people, let's go <laughs> to Jovi and Yara. 
So we're still in Miami, and we're dealing with the aftermath of the strip club thing the night before. It turns out after they left in the Uber with the strip club together, they came, they fought the whole time, fought in the hotel lobby. And so Jovi got a different hotel room and slept there instead of with Yara. So at this point in the morning, neither Yara nor Gwen knows exactly where he is. Um, Gwen is confused that, you know, when Yara tells her what happened, why Yara even agreed to go to the strip club. And she just keeps saying, well, it's, I just wanted to make Jovi happy. I just want to make Jovi happy. And Gwen is also super disappointed in Jovi. When Jovi comes back into the room, Gwen gives him, you know, some mom talk about him being a dick and then leaves with Myla so the two of them can talk. At this point, Gwen tells us in an interview that she was wrong before. She had suspected Yara of just wanting the green card, but now she thinks that if anybody's not ready for this relationship, it's definitely Jovi. So after Gwen leaves and Jovi snarks at her like a teenager, mm. Yara moves the conversation to the public beach. Jovi's issue is... He just wants to have fun and doesn't get why Yara doesn't want to – doesn't ha- just have a nice time and instead wants to fight about everything. He thinks she's changed too much after moving to America and becoming a mother. And if he wants and, – and but she says that if that's what you want, you want somebody more fun, then you should go find her and get married to her. <laughs> um, they seem to be in this kind of weird circle where both of them just wants the other one to change. In the interview, um, Yara actually ups the stakes and says that, you know, if she's going to continue being this miserable in America, she'll consider taking Myla back with her to Ukraine. Okay. So I don't know. Um, What do you think would get Jovi to stop saying fun Yara? (laughs) I don't know if he will ever stop saying fun Yara because we've clearly seen that both seeing that both their ideas of fun are just simply not aligned anymore. Right. And so it used to be that with the exception of strip clubs, that their idea of fun was the same. Their idea of fun was traveling around, getting drunk, being out at the club until all hours of the night. Like that to him is fun, right? Party, Mm -hmm. Jovi, that's what he wants to do. That's his version of fun. And because Yara doesn't have that version of fun anymore, like he's always going to think that she's boring. Even if Yara starts doing other things that other people would consider fun, you know, he would be like, no, you're boring, Yara. Yeah, that's not fun. Yeah, that's not fun. Like he doesn't have any activities planned. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not – it, it, I mean, they're they're in Miami. Do they, does he have like, oh, we'll have fun. We'll go, I don't know, snorkeling. We'll go on a boat. Like yeah. we have like these things. He doesn't have any of that. It's always just like, well, let's go somewhere and drink. Let's yeah. go somewhere else and drink. How about we go right. to this third place and drink? You know, it's like, and so I get that. But I think you're right. She could do she could do things like that. She could start getting actual like hobbies and activities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actual. Stuff again that again other people consider fun, but he'd just be like, "No, boring Yara. This is boring Yara." Right. Which is like, and he blames America and motherhood, mm-hmm. which probably you know exacerbated things and made made this process accelerate. But I feel like it's a process many people go through. I don't think Jovi will. I can totally see Jovi being the fifty year old dude who's like, "Let's go to the club." Like I can yeah. totally see that. 
Yeah. Right. I definitely think the America thing is what is keeping her from having being able to travel. And so I think that's the part of America that he doesn't like. Like, oh, she's settling in real well. It's like, well, well, she's in America and with the baby. you And with COVID. I mean, these are all like significant factors that are keeping her in her situation. Right. Like she would totally be down for absent COVID. Um, just absent COVID. If she yeah. was like, let's go back to Ukraine. Let's go to let's go to Kiev and like hang out there for a while. She'd be one hundred percent down, right? That yeah. would be her family and stuff. But it's not like she wouldn't go anywhere. And she went with them to Miami. It's just that you know, it's it, it it's one of those things that people's interests and things tend to mellow out when they get older. They don't want right. to just be drunk all the time. Yeah, and. Yeah, and I think that's why Gwen kept saying, she said it like a few times in this episode, grow up, Jovi, grow up. And it's like he doesn't want to grow up. And it's very obvious because he says, you know, like, oh, I want, you know, our relationship to work out. It's really important. But I don't think that I should have to change. You know, I don't think that, you know. I was with someone who was always in a good mood. It's like, first of all, no, 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 no. Like, I get what you mean by vacation, Yara, but there is simply no one who is always in a good mood. So that's like an unfair expectation to put on anyone. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And it's like, it just, in order, that's what it takes to be a good father and to be a good partner is to um, note out like a lot. And uh, in, in it's tough because it does cost you a lot of friends because the friends are like, oh, we're going to go to another bar. And you'll be like, I'm not. I got to go home. Yeah, <laughs> like, like his other got the friend. Baby. Yeah, like his other friend did. Like that's Who, what like, you got to the strip club. Yeah, but basically what it's going to take is it's going to take his other friends thinking of, of him as the boring one. Yeah. Like, and he just not well, – you're right. He's not willing to give up literally anything. Yeah. Like he's like, I want to be a good dad. I want this relationship to work, but I don't want actually want to – sacrifice for it at all and it's like well that doesn't that, that's not how it works like there's, yeah, there's no right. such thing as that yeah very frustrating okay speaking of people unwilling to compromise let's talk about mike and natalie so natalie has shown up to mike's house to get her stuff and mike is there to ask her what she is doing with that suitcase natalie doesn't really want to answer and instead uses the rat to avoid answering the question <laughs> Very weird. Very Natalie weird. doesn't want to feel guilty, which makes her feel like she should stay. So that's why she doesn't want to talk to him. But Natalie tells Mike she's going to go stay with Juliana because she's suffering and she just can't be there anymore. Mike tries to make it very clear that this is her decision. And now he just doesn't care anymore. Natalie continues to love on the rat to like avoid this situation. And Mike is mad that she doesn't even ask for a divorce. And he pours himself a shot as Natalie continues to pack. As she's leaving, Natalie tells Mike that she doesn't feel heard and she's just not happy. He tells her that leaving is not how things are going to change. And either you're in or you're out, which we've heard him say a couple of times before. She Mm -hmm. says she just can't fight anymore and she leaves. Natalie doesn't feel bad because she says he's been pushing her since she got there by refusing to marry her, not listening to her, listening to his mom. And then just generally saying bad things to her. She's emotionally spent and just doesn't feel anymore. So she just doesn't care. Mike thinks he's poured his heart out. So he's not going to chase her. And also he doesn't feel hurt. 
Juliana then enters the house to ask to use the bathroom. <laughs> so, so random. Funny. This is the most random part ever. <laughs> so everything about this is just so awkward. So, so weird. After we hear an awkward flushing of the toilet, Julia wants to talk to him and says that he'll be okay because he has a job and a cat. Juliana then goes to give him a hug and tells him he can always call her as she squeezes his hand. <laughs> okay. What's the deal with Juliana? <laughs> I don't know. I like wrote down is like, is she like having terrible strategy at trying to have a threesome with these people? Oh what is going gosh. on? Oh my gosh. It was like it was so, so weird. Awkward. At one point, his hat came off and she like tussled his hair. I was like, what is going on She's here? Like, as she tries to put the hat back on him, it's so bizarre. But it's almost like she's like this weird maternal figure. Like that's how yeah. she's that's how she's playing it, right? But it right. reads as like weird start to porn or something. <laughs> right. It was just and he the whole time was like, nope, I'm good. You don't, nope, don't say, yeah, you don't like, need to say nope, anything. Nope, I don't, nope. yep, we don't need to have this conversation. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. She is such a weird person, at least by yeah. American standards. So maybe, right. maybe that's a normal um, type of personality in Russia. I don't know. But it definitely read like she's trying to weasel her way into their bed or something. It was yeah. like very weird. I mean – that was – and it was funny because I didn't think it was going to get weirder than <laughs> Natalie talking to the mouse instead of to Mike. Oh, my is, gosh. I thought that was weird and then I was like, oh, no. Juliana just, mm, just took it to another level. Oh, her talking to – I thought it was a rat. I know she called it a mouse. But she I called thought, it. was a rat. It's definitely a yeah. rat. Yeah. You know, it's like it was so obvious that she was trying to avoid either eye contact or a conversation with Mike. So instead yes. she's like loving on this rat and like speaking to it in like Russian, like, this is like yeah. it's just like, Oh my God, this is so awkward. Why are we watching this? What is well, happening Mike was right just now? Sitting there. She's having this whole conversation with this rat. It was just, and instead of just saying, you know what, Mike, I'm not ready to talk right now. I'm just going to get my stuff and go. Yeah. Right? That that's all she, she had to say. But she doesn't. But she's just awkwardly there. I know. She doesn't rat. say that. She just sits in front of him playing with this rat. It's super weird. So, I mean, I think it just highlights the fact that the communication problems are not just one-sided, right? Sure. I know she says that she doesn't feel heard, but quite honestly, like in what we've seen, she isn't that great at really speaking up for herself. So I think maybe she feels like, well, you know, it took me a lot to have to tell you this. And then when I do tell you something, I don't feel heard. So what's the point of saying it? So, I mean, mm -hmm. like, we're not there all the time to see, you know, all the other conversations they've had. But it's just like, I just feel that, you know, you can't pin it on just one person. Yeah, you don't feel heard, but have you done everything to the best of your ability um, in actually communicating your thoughts and feelings? Right. Because that's what her thought she said them to us, but she didn't say them to him. Right. right? Yeah. Her thoughts and feelings were I I I feel like if we have this conversation, you're gonna make you're gonna get me feeling so guilty that I want to stay. So I don't want to have this conversation right now. Right. Like, right. You have to say those things like because a lot of the times when what we've seen is she says one thing and expects him to hear something different. 
Yeah, he's a pretty simple dude, and he's yeah. not going to get that. <laughs> I know, and I mean, we saw that even with the you know calling Mike's mom and talking about the hooker thing. It's like, uh huh, you were calling about this specific incident, and you opened it up to something completely different. Well, not completely different, but it's just like. Very indirect. She has a very indirect way of communicating. And it's like, for people who are simple-minded like Mike, it's like, no, he doesn't get that that's what you want to talk about. He thinks it's about this other thing that you are talking about. Right, right. So, she, yeah, he, and she just doesn't get, like, I tried to tell you overall my my negative feelings about how I'm pretty sure your mom doesn't like me and has bad feelings about me, why do you keep bringing it back to this super specific semantic thing about did she say the word hooker? Yeah. Right? That to her yeah. is like you're missing the point and he's like, but you told me that was the point and it's like they just they just don't hear each other. Right. Yeah, definitely. All right. So last up for me, we have Kalani Nasuelu. So Asuelu is pretty bummed about the big fight from the Christmas party the night before. They both agree that Tammy and Lucina were out of hand, but Kalani still wants to talk to Asuelu about this blanket thing and let him make sure he knows that giving her a blanket in front of everybody was weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> a baby blanket specifically. Anyway, Asuelu was hurt by the things his mother said to him and is just contemplating what his life would look like without that part of his family in it. He says he's done with Tammy, but you know he still wants to have a relationship with his mother, especially if he can make it so it's not about money and babies. But – to add to the you know their complex web of emotions now, uh, Kalani's mom, Lisa, has some news. Um, since Lowe has been working in California, the separation between them has been just too much. And so they're going to sell the house so she can move closer. That means Kalani and Asuelu are going to have to find a new place to live. So next up, Asuelu is taking some of these emotions out on various appliances at a Smash Lab store, which just looks like a place where you pay some money and they take you to a back room and you, you just break some shit. Um, <laughs> Oh, he's also there to get advice from his friend, Tui, his Samoan friend. Um, anyway, he says that the money thing, when he brings up a problem about the money, is pr a pretty com common problem for Samoans in America. And he deals with it by just sending back as much as he can. But also in terms of a living situation, Tui kind of has an idea. Maybe instead of just finding another apartment or a house here that they can't afford, they can just move back to Samoa. Asuelu says, you know, he's thought of that, but... And it sounds like a good idea, but also doesn't acknowledge that there's no way in hell Kalani would ever go for that. I know, right? Anyway, but – oh, am I, I know why he doesn't acknowledge it. It's because he thinks he might be able to convince her to go and then once she's there, also to have some more babies. Oh my god, he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So in the next scene, they're playing volleyball in the park without a net like real adults. And then on a walk, Suelu talks to Kalani about his conversation with Tui. Kalani is – nervous about, you know, him still trying to, you know, keep a relationship with his mom and possibly take care of her because after all, how many chances is she going to get? But when he brings up moving to Samoa, Kalani makes some faces, but then just says no, because she doesn't <laughs> want to leave her family and her way of life. But he actually has a counter argument this time. You know, he said, I gave up my family and my way of life for you for two years. Isn't it fair that you do the same? But... He was so close before he blows it big time by in, in, by saying that another good thing about it is that she can become a real Samoan girl. Oh, my gosh. And then the argument becomes about that for a while. Anyway, at the end, Kalani says they can visit, even a longer visit, like a month or two, and she'll keep her mind open but lets him know right away it does not look good for moving there. Um, 
And then he just keeps talking a lot, a lot, a lot about the kids in the Samoan way. <laughs> All right. So what clue has she ever given him that she would ever move to Samoa? None. That's why I was just like, wow, you know your wife so very little, right? <laughs> oh, get her on the island. Then she'll want to be pregnant. It's like, I'm pretty sure no. She's yeah, just- very strong willed. And why does he not get that by now? I mean, yeah, he just thinks that, oh, if I get her to the island, if I get her onto Samoa, she'll just blend in with all the other Samoan women. Like the island, you know, island time will take over and she'll just be like, oh, yeah, we'll just live off the land and I'll just pop out babies. Amazing. Oh this is great. Like, I really hope that she's using birth control, right? Oh yeah. And that Almost she's definitely. in charge of it because it's like, I also feel like Asuelu's kind of like, oh, well, we'll just go to the island and have lots of sex and then she'll just be pregnant and then we'll yeah. get stuck there. And, you know? since, and in the, on the island, since, you know, we have already had this condoms are for slut people conversation yeah. that they're probably hard to get. It's just like, well, whatever happens, happens. So, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes, please bring, bring, bring your supply of pills or whatever it is you're using Kalani with you because right. please bring them. I know. Tui, his friend, I was like, as soon as he gave the advice, oh, well, maybe Just you guys should move to Samoa. I was like, this advice. is the worst advice ever. Bad you advice. Wanna, you want to get advice from this guy? No. <laughs> This was just terrible advice. I mean, you did start off okay with like, I mean, when you do have a contentious relationship with your mother, you do have to kind of, you know, deal with that fact that this is your mother and it's your mother and it's the only one you get, right? Mm, yeah. And so you, you get to pick again. It doesn't mean you have to keep a relationship with them. It doesn't mean your relationship has to be the same, but it does mean like, it's not like there's another mother coming out of the woodwork that you're going to right. have to deal with. This is the only one you have. Yeah. And so like that part of it was okay. Everything after that was just garbage advice. <laughs> just yeah. Tr- yeah. Trash. All right. So that covers everyone from Happily Ever After. So we also said we would cover the few first couple episodes. I think it was episodes one through three for Darcy yeah. and Stacy. So that does not include today's episode, but we have a brief recap of the major things that have happened. So last season on the finale, Georgie had proposed to Darcy, but now the season starts later on that day. They got in a huge fight over Georgie not opening up, so he ends up walking out and Darcy has not heard from him. She's unsure if their relationship is on the right track, so she just doesn't want to announce her engagement. So she doesn't tell her mom that Georgie proposed. So instead, Stacy tells their mom and her mom has like literally zero reaction to it. Later, Georgie comes back to make up, and he resolves to opening up to her more. We also find out that Georgie has been keeping a sock of cash hidden from Darcy, which is frustrating for everyone who hears about this because they think that Darcy is, uh, well, they know Darcy's been paying for everything, and now the whole family thinks that Darcy's being played and used. We also find out that Georgie is having finance problems as his car has been repossessed. Georgie, Darcy, Stacy, and Florian all head to D.C. to help Georgie move out of his apartment and to have just like a couple's trip. Darcy is disappointed that Georgie doesn't allow her inside of the house as he cites COVID concerns as the reason. <laughs> Darcy and Stacy are suspicious of Georgie and they decide that they will reach out to Georgie's ex-wife to hopefully get some more information. Stacy and Florian seem to be back on track as they do a photo shoot together. Florian tells Stacy to shut up, and she tells him that he can't talk to her like that. Later, Stacy wants to talk to Florian about freezing her eggs so they have the option to be pregnant in the future. 
Florian doesn't want anything to do with the IVF because he claims it's against his religion. And he says if it happens, pregnancy that is, it happens. But this frustrates Stacy as they haven't been using contraception for four years, and she worries that he will leave her in the future if he changes his mind and wants children. All right, so that's basically the big stuff that happened. I know it's been like three episodes, three hours. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of little stuff in between. Right. Um, but I think the major thing that kind of came out of this was the fact that, um, you know, Georgie, is he or is he not using her for money? And he did explain to Darcy's dad, you know, had a conversation about why he was like hoarding all this money. And he insists that Darcy is the one who insists on paying for everything. And so what is he supposed to do? But on the other side of it, we also see that Georgie is having financial problems if he got his car repossessed. So why do you think that Georgie is hoarding cash in a sock? And where did this cash come from? Um, So I don't know where it came from. But I mean, if I'm being the most generous to him, is Mm. that's his like go bag, his get out of, (laughs) you know, like, yeah. Like I know that's advice that they give. Generally, it's advice you give to women. It's like, no, don't let him pay for everything. And if he does, like, have enough, don't because that's the way abusive men can get control, right? Yeah, is is they by they pay for everything, they make you completely financially dependent on them, and then you can't go anywhere because where are you going to go? What money do you have? Like right. so to keep that money out. And but I don't think that's what's going on, though. Right. I just, I just well, think he just doesn't know what he's doing with money, to yeah. be honest. I mean, I think you're, you're right. I don't think it's intentionally what's going on, but I do think that's what's going on, right? Not with necessarily abusive intentions, but I do think Darcy wants Georgie to be dependent on her in a way so she feels like that's security. If he mm-hmm. can't leave, then he can't leave. You know, right. and so, I mean, because she does have this, like, terrible fear that people are going to leave her. And so it's right. like by kind of setting up the situation where it makes it very difficult for someone to leave her. I do think that she is kind of orchestrating this situation by insisting on paying for everything. So I do think that, you know, on the one hand, she does want someone to take care of her because i mean she said that a couple times like in the show like i would love it if someone like just like came in and took care of me and i don't have to worry about anything and it was like all on them you know her being the sugar baby but i think the advantage of her paying for everything is now she has a situation where the man can't or you know makes it more difficult to leave right yeah yeah i mean that's that's true but i don't know if that's why he i don't know if he's thinking that many moves ahead and right. as the cash, as the cash, I think it is more like the other one. I don't think he was being dishonest. He's like, mm-hmm. well, she pays everything. What am I supposed to do with my cash? Especially because I was like, oh, I didn't want to open a bank account because she'd find out about that. Like, what's the point? And honestly, with interest rates these days, bank accounts are barely worth it anyway. <laughs> like, if you, had yeah. if you had like 200 bucks in a sock, it's like, what are you going to put that in a savings account? Come on. <laughs> so like, I, 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 I do think that it's kind of where he's at, but it was weird the amount of secrecy he has over his former life, right? Yeah. That, that, that part that he wants to keep private, the don't come in the house because of COVID restrictions. And like, but he just seems, also just seems like a super- Shady. Yes. Because his friends don't know anything either. Like he had friends. They're like, oh, we didn't know about you. We never met this ex-wife. Like we don't yeah. know what's going on. 
Yeah, he right? just seems like a weirdly shady person just in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, then, and he just seems like, yeah, I have no past. Um, that's the way I would like it. I would like to right. cover it up and never talk about it and never know anything that's going on. Yeah. Okay. So then that brings us to Florian. I swear, every time I see him, I just hate him a little more. He's just like a terrible person. The way he talks to Stacy, like just the way he generally is, he just seems like a grump. Like, I just don't see any like redeeming qualities. Like, I know his redeeming quality, according to Stacy, is that like he's a good looking dude. And it's like, right. no, he's not even a good looking dude. He's not even dude. That good looking. He's no. really not. I okay, think he photoshops so well, but. The, the, the one thing I would give him is that on the photo shoot day, mm-hmm. she needed to shut up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she definitely needed to calm down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, and it was like, and so he could have been a little more tactful in doing it, but he wasn't wrong. She needed to stop talking. Like, right. even the photographer was like, <sighs> get out of he's my like, space. He's like, chin down. And she's like, chin up, baby. And the photographer's like, chin down. He's, she's like, chin up, baby. You got to keep sure. Give it energy. And the photographer's like, what are you doing? And he kept coming into the frame. Yeah, it was ridiculous, but it just even the way he talks to her, like when he's trying to be nice, it just sounds so fake to me. So when they right. were in the interview after you know, talking about the photo shoot and she says, you can't talk to me like that. What should you have said? Oh, Stacy, my angel, can we please stop? <laughs> I need a moment of silence. It's just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. Yeah, so yeah, Florian is not my favorite. Georgie is definitely not my favorite. I don't like, like Georgie. Uh, Georgie. I don't just either. Looks, I don't find just, either of them attractive. I don't find either no. of them interesting. I don't yes. find either of them like particularly good to them. You know, it's yeah, like yeah, no, what not, redeeming not, qualities these guys have. They they do. They kind. seem like mooches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not kind. They're not. They're not partic- I think both of them would say they're particularly good looking, but I don't know how much of that is them just, you know, this trying is what to I got, so they must be hot. Convince, yeah, trying to sell convince it. Convince themselves, yeah. Convince themselves. But like, yeah, they're not not interesting at all. Like no. I, it sounds both of them sound like um just talking to a board. So yeah. it's like and so I don't yeah, I don't know. Do you like spending time with them? I don't I just they just like I don't know. I can't figure out what it is they like, except that they're available and there. <laughs> Right? Available and into them, and into well, <laughs> at least seemingly, at least ostensibly into them. At least they put on <laughs> right. a show of being into them. Yes, uh, they've been proposed. They're will- willing to make a commitment. How about that? <laughs> yes. Okay. Fair. That's fair. Right. Okay. So that covers uh, our ninety-day at least table situation yeah. for the week. Uh, so, who was your student of the week? I went with Kalani, mm-hmm. um, just because I feel like she's getting better. You know, as we learn about communication, she's getting better at communication and mm. specifically at handling a Swelu's half thought out flights of fancy without <laughs> like without making him feel small or dumb just to be like, I hear what you're saying and right. here's what we can do about that. And like she's not lying to him. She's not giving him false hope. But like right. I feel like when she – I feel like in past seasons when she would do that, he would just get angry. Yeah. Like she didn't do it in a way that wouldn't anger him and now she's like better at more tactfully – you know, telling him there's no way that's happening. Sure. But yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, my student of the week was Gwen. I decided to go with uh, both of mine, student of the week and dunce with uh, ancillary characters this week. Okay. Um, 
I really appreciate that Gwen is a parent that is like, oh, my child can do no wrong. Because we've seen that on the show where parents blindly, you know, defend their children no matter how terrible they are. And she's just like, you know, and also admitting that she was wrong about Yara. Like, I was concerned about Yara's intentions, but she's Mm proven me wrong. And really, it's Jovi that's the issue here. Yes. Yeah, whereas we see other families, they're just always like, once they make a decision about somebody, mm. that's final. They're here to mooch, mooch off of us. Right, right. Like, but, yeah. Yeah. Okay, what about your dunce? I, I went with Ronald, just mm-hmm. because as much yes. as, as bad as Charlie was, as bad as everybody was, at least they're, everything they did did not involve kidnapping children. Oh, God, I know, right? Like, he literally has a, he literally says out loud to the camera his plan to kidnap children, like, that is not okay. And so no. dunce you get. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My dunce, like I said, I went ancillary characters uh, this week. So I went with Chuck. As I had said before, yeah. like, idiot. Why do you think that the situation is going to be any different? And then you're just going to cry about it? Fake, like, oh. threaten a heart attack? Like, no one cares. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, yeah. He keeps pulling the, what did you think about me? That, 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 that. He's he's mined the depths of what that can get him. He's he, that that well has run dry. Right. Okay. What about your life lesson? All right. So I went. This is specifically for Yara and Jovi, but it can apply to almost every couple we've ever seen on the show. Right. Mm-hmm. Is if you find yourself having a disagreement or an argument, and every time the argument starts, you just keep saying the same thing over yeah. and over again, then you're not going to resolve it by saying that thing again. Right. You gotta find you gotta find something else to either, you know, figure out where this emotion is coming from, figure out an act action to fix it, but just being like just keeping to say, I just liked it when you were more fun is not gonna solve the problem or right. move toward a solution to the problem. Yeah, definitely. Um, so mine is also Yara and Jovi inspired. Um, everyone has their own brand of fun. So instead of assuming yeah. that everyone will find the same things you do fun, you should, I mean, and Jovi really should have done this, ask them what they want to do if you're really trying to make the other person happy. You know, like he says, like, I wanted to have fun on this vacation with you. And so like maybe mm-hmm. ask that person what they find to be fun and maybe Agreed. go with that. Totally, because I find Jovi's brand of fun seems incredibly boring to me. Like, um, doesn't seem boring to me. It just seems exhausting, right? And depending on what kind of vacation, I mean, there's different types of fun too, right? Sure, like, sure, sure. But I think I guess so I guess exhausting. I was I guess I said boring if I was like, it, it's it's one of those things that's fun every once in a while mm-hmm. and isn't fun like every weekend. I was like, oh my God, we're going to that same because he mm-hmm. had the thing. He went to the same strip club every week. Yeah. Like, oh my God, yeah. that sounds boring as hell <laughs> to me. Yeah. To Some me. people are perfectly fine being regulars, right? Yeah. They they want people to know who they are. Yeah. I'm I'm like, no, I've been there. Isn't there at least isn't there at least another strip club? Like <laughs> yeah. we talked about how I think strip clubs are generally boring. And I I definitely have always kind of thought that myself. I was like, I always thought more than other people that fun is boring. Things that are supposed to be fun. I'm just like, oh my God, how much longer are we going to stay here? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that covers uh, everyone. Um, we did not hear from Brandon and Julia, uh, but it looks like there will be in the tell-all part one next week. 
Yes. And the next week, we're kind of back to normal, or are you gone next week? I can't no, remember. No, I'm gone next week. I'm gone next week. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we still have a couple of weeks before we're back to normal. So I, yeah. I'm back to work next week. So, and then Mr. Oh, L apparently is uh, going to be on vacation. So, you know, we're trying to live it up as teachers in the one month that we have off. But uh, we will be back same time next week with the first part of the tell-all. All right, see everybody then. Okay, until then. Bye. Okay, all right, bye.